crashed. Hi, Dave. You know, we did a little getaway, and so did you. It sure did. How was it? Tell me everything. It well, okay. Let me let me just tell you. Um, it started off beautifully. We um, so Ben and I went up to Los Olivos Wine Country, right? Like the sideways sort of area, right? And um, and on the way up, a family friend has um, has married extremely well and uh, has a, a winery and uh, has like a tasting room in Montecito for for a Ooh. winery that's that's uh, up north in Gaviota. It's really great. Um, and so we stopped at that tasting room on the way up, and it was you know noon. On a Friday, you know, stopped, had a, you know, a couple sips of rosé, some cheese, whatever. And uh, and there was a woman also doing a tasting who, who was, and it was noon, and she was on her, like, fourth, for sure. Love her already. Just real, I mean, amazing. And we had Finn with us, and so she was, she was she kept petting Finn, and she's like, what is he? He's a doodle. And we're like, no, he's a Wheaton. I, oh, I don't know. This one, whatever, just, like, yelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and like, to the point where Finn, who's the most social dog I've ever, was like, I don't know about this woman, and I, I don't want to... I don't want to be around her. But she just kept being like, you know, forgetting that she had, like, what kind of dog is this? Ten minutes later. And so sure, she's sure, still sure. eating. Whatever. So we like, you know, make conversation with her for a minute. And then we like, you know, we wrap up and, and of course, join the fucking wine club and spend too much money before we've even checked into the hotel. And uh, and and then we were like, never got this woman's name. Uh, we were like, all right, well, you know, see you. Have a good day. She's like, all right. I love you guys. <sighs> And that's, I don't know why that just absolutely made the weekend. Just this absolute stranger not knowing who we are was like, I love you guys. She does so, love you. And did you say I love you too? I, you know what? Honestly, I didn't feel it. So I didn't, I don't like to, I don't like to put that energy out there. You're not there yet. I appreciate I'm not that. There honesty. Yet. I'm yeah. not there yet. I'm not there yet. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't push it off either. How was Ojai? We went away for Michael's birthday and mm-hmm. we looked at some more wedding venue places. I think... I think we've got a date on the books. <gasps> Love it. It will be May of 2022. So we got a whole year. Uh, but, you know, that is, it is possibly Mother's Day weekend. It is definitely like the, will be at the beginning of all the post-COVID wedding, you know, insanity. Yeah. Of course. So it might be kind of crazy, but, but we're, we're, we're planning it so early that I think it's going to be okay. Of course, we're kind it of is. deciding of between two venues, and all and already the madness is starting. Like we really are trying to commit to you know remembering why we're doing this, and that it's just we just want to have a party with uh, with our you know family and close friends. But it's so it, it immediately you know turns into like family members calling and asking if they can bring somebody that you're estranged from and can, or can this person and this person walk you down the aisle somebody asked me i was like walk me down no. the aisle like I'm, i i hadn't no. even thought about that there is no, a possibility that's your choice yeah I, I don't know we there is talk of maybe we each just do a we each enter with our moms mm-hmm. uh which you know might be nice i don't know but um there's there's still a lot to figure out but but there's loads of time to do it yeah i'm so excited for you and walking down with your mother such that's perfect yeah as long as she gets center stage as long as like some spotlight is put on her she'll be happy yeah of course she'll have a lot to say it's gonna be beautiful so uh, I'll keep everybody posted. I know everyone's on pins and needles for my my wedding plans, but no, this is exciting. This We're is exciting to it. Uh, 
but you're out. You were you were among the people. You were. Did you eat in a inside a restaurant? We did. We did. We did the hotel restaurants only. Okay. Okay. But you and you bopped around. We did a little bopping around. We only ate inside once, and and it felt strangely normal. Felt strangely inside normal. inside. Now that I have not inside done. inside. Yeah, inside inside. Just once. Um, feeling good. Feeling good about it. Did um, on Sunday night, uh, a friend came by, like after we got back, came by to the backyard, and I hugged him. We hugged. Wow. Which and there really was a moment of like, are are we doing this? Can yeah, we isn't do it, this? It, it, like it does seem like that that will just the new. I hate even. I'm sorry to even say the words the new normal, but that I think mm-hmm. the new normal will be that we ask permission before hugging yeah. forever. Yeah. Just Hug policy has up taken with pronouns on, on yeah. like you know, how you identify yourself. Yeah, Dave, yeah. he, him, yes to hugs. I like it. You know what else I, I like? Zeke Smith. What? Oh, Zeke my Smith. God. Zeke Smith, that's who. The Zeke one, Smith the is only. our guest this week. The truly one and only. Um, I mean, did we get some dish from Zeke Smith that we can't even begin to hint or allude to? Uh, yes, we did. Absolutely. But we'll, you know, that's, again, that's a person by person. That's a case by case basis. Once you see us in real life, after you hug us, you can maybe ask, you know, for the, for the Zeke dish and maybe we'll give it and maybe we won't. We, it won't come in the next hour, but so much good stuff will. So much will. Zeke Smith is, is a writer, comedian, activist, former emphasis on the former reality uh, TV contestant from Survivor. Mm-hmm. Also, Survivor, a creative too. consultant on uh, and contributor to the amazing Netflix documentary we've talked about on here, Disclosure. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. that, definitely Fantastic. see it. Oh, and before we go to Zeke, we want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Glenn Weldon. Oh, Glenn. Of pop culture happy hour, Glenn and uh, and Linda Holmes are are have been, uh, are, they're just the greatest. They're the greatest, and they've been uh, supporters of us for a long time. Glenn uh, gave uh, our Charlie Carver episode a nice little shout out on uh, pop culture happy hour, and correctly said, Charlie Carver is beautiful and wise. Yes. It's true. It's true. And, you know, so he thanks, admitted Glenn. to being a bit surprised by it, which I appreciate. Yeah. I think some of us were. Uh, we have to work through our biases. We absolutely do. And hopefully Glenn will come on the show himself sometime soon. Yes. Glenn Weldon, let's get you on. Let's get you on. Uh, but first, folks, Six Smith. I actually, I just got back from Palm Springs on Sunday, oh. and we were there with my fellow podmate and your friend, Guy Branham. Oh, very nice. Oh, amazing. We love yes. Guy. Talk us through. He's the best. Talk us through Palm Springs with Guy Branham. Um, well, it was fabulous. Um, not so fabulous for him because he was supposed to come out on Thursday, then he had a pitch, so he was like, okay, I'm going to come out Friday morning, and then he got word that the... Alec Baldwin, Alec Mappa, Kelsey Grammer show he was writing on at ABC got unpicked up. So he like lost his job. Oh, and then no. We were like, um, okay, like take your time. And then it got to like 530. He was like, okay, I'm finally heading out. And we're like, you know, all right, okay. Um, you know, the only reason we had a timeline is because Friday was the drag race finale. Right. Um, and we were hoping to like 
do dinner, then watch Drag Race, then go like out to Arenas Boulevard, that's the bars uh-huh. in Palm Springs. Um, and we were sort of like, <laughs> it was he was cutting it close, cutting it close for the finale. Yeah. Um, but he made it, and we had a we had a lovely a lovely day out there. Okay. Yeah, well, tell us uh, tell us your feelings on the finale. Yeah. Oh well, I was devastated that Gottmik didn't win. And look, look, I I'm not blind. I can read reality television editing. I knew Simone was going to win. Um, but there's just been so much crap thrown at trans kids on the state legislative level. I was like, what? A wonderful like treat it would be for all the little trans youth out there um, to have this like young, wonderful, incredibly talented drag queen win Drag Race, and I, I, I just I was like I was rooting for the win for the yeah. community and for like the team trans guy, and um, but I yeah. I am. I think, like everyone, I was a little dismayed about how um, Simone and Gottmik had to go up against each other in the semifinal lip sync. I, I think we were robbed of um, the, the, the true final two lip sync. But in the end, you know, I think a great queen won. Yeah, a great queen won. And Gottmik, let's be. I mean, is is here with us for life. We that is a star has been born, and you know, all stars and tours and shows and everything to come. Oh, yes. And, you know, she seems to have found a lot of, like, little celebrity friends. I was for a moment. I was like, oh, great. I'm, they're, like, the other trans guy reality star. We're going to be, like, best friends. And I'm like, nope, Gottmik has leapfrogged me in as far as, like, fame and celebrity. Um, so I'm going to hang back here with the other scrubs while you go and change the world. So who who <laughs> is, like, who she got? Who's in her corner now? Oh, I guess I started hanging out with, like, Ariana Grande. Oh, my goodness. On the day of the finale, oh, I think okay. that, you know, and obviously like Paris Hilton and Gigi Gorgeous and, and all of those folks. But I was like, if you're like chilling in Ariana Grande's pool on finale day, then I think you're you're good. You got it. Yeah. You made it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're the you're an Ariana Grande as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Well, I did receive my Glad Award from Ariana Grande's brother, Frankie. OK. Oh, your family. So. Yeah, I, exactly. Frank is a real kick in the pants, huh? He is. He is. He's a, you know, he's one of those people who has always been very nice to me. Same. Yes, I had. <laughs> I did like a, this like IMDb show with him once. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever do that? Had a had um, a blast. Sure. Um, uh, what, so, so all right. So what's op- what's happening in po- Arenas Road? What's open? What's happening? Is it happening? It is sort of happening. Okay. So all of the bars are open. They have taken over most of the street to set up more outdoor seating, but it's still it's 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 still you just have to sit at the table, uh-huh. um, and you I mean you basically just go to the bar that is open because it doesn't really matter what the vibe is because you can only sit at your table and only talk to the people at your table. Um, so we just got shoved in like a corner at uh, the Eagle, and. We're like, well, we have we have vodka and seltzer at home where we could just sit at home and not pay additional money for vodka and seltzer. Yeah. So we stayed for one drink and and then went home because there is something 
like the fun is being there with others of like bumping into people and like smiling flirtatiously at boys and talking to new people or watching a drag show. Like it's, it's not just being at the bar, which is fun. It is the interacting with other homos that is fun. Um, and that is sort of taken away from you (laughs) in, in our brave new world, but everything, you know, hunters is open. Chill bar is open. Everything is, is technically open. It's just table service. Okay. I mean, and that's the problem. That the the joy of the Palm Springs bar is that everybody does talk to one another, right? Because it's it's a lot friendlier than so LA. Much friendlier. It's sort of like we 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 take off layers of pretension as we take off layers of clothes in the desert. Yeah. Um, and everyone's just excited to be there. And um, but yeah, there was, and I think we're also so deconditioned to speaking to one another, right? Or in another way, we're conditioned to not speak to one another, interact with one another, touch one another. Um, And we're still sort of in that place where we we don't do those things. Mm -hmm. So it'll, you know, I had this dream that when quarantine was over, it would just sort of be over and like, it would, you know, we would be locked down and then we wouldn't be locked down. And then I'd get to go like out to, you know, Mickey's or Rocco's or wherever in WeHo. Um, And then I would like meet my friends and we'd kiss on the mouth and, you know, lick go-go boys. We'd have all these exchanges of fluids. The part of my dream was never this tiered, reopening yeah. <laughs> where you sort of you can go to the place but you can't lick anybody right so and Let, it's think, layers of moisture envision getting back to licking in the year 2021 um see my survival strategy has been don't like aside from that you know like fever dream of kissing and licking go-go boys um i try not to think ahead too much I just try to like mm-hmm. focus on like, okay, what can we control now? And now we can think ahead, uh, you know, a few weeks in advance. Like I am going to, cause I'm fully vaccinated and my mom's fully vaccinated. I'm going to go to Austin and hang out with my mom. Um, yeah. So like that's, I try to not think too far ahead because that's only going to breed disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. We were, that was my thing is like, you know, my second one was a week ago in a week I'll be, you know, at max immunity. And I thought I would just get get right on a plane and go back and see my family. And it's like, now we're going to start with a drive to Santa Barbara for two days. Yep. You know what I mean? We're going to, we're going (laughs) to attempt to be out of the home for two days, uh, an hour and a half away. And we'll see how that goes. And then we'll we'll get there. It's, it's going to be a reentry. And which is good because we all need this interim time to lose all the weight that we've put on. True. Very true. Or at least I do. That's a, I, well, you yeah. look fantastic. But what is your uh, what's your like? What's your strategy? Are you working out? Is it cardio? Are you? Uh, yeah, I think mostly it's theoretical plans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yes, we're gonna we're gonna tone down the Postmates and tone up the um, we uh, Nico and I bought a home in November and we have a pool. Come on. So I have been doing. Um, like my my getting back into moving my body has been to do water aerobics a la like old people at the Y. Right. So I have Amazing. like the foam, the foam weights and like the little aqua jogger belt that keeps you upright so you can, you know, run without any impact in the water. And um, we're going to graduate up to, I think, uh, you know, uh, free weights and uh, other like adult type, you know, young adult type exercises this week. But Great. Uh, it's, you know, it's all the process trying to be gentle with myself. Uh-huh. Yada, yada. Brene Brown. Yeah. Do what you will. Yeah. 
Although I would like for you and Nico to get to a point where you are doing full synchronized swimming choreo as a couple. I mean, we're, I didn't want to like leak that because we are still in rehearsals, but you should expect our, our Vegas synchronized <laughs> swimming show to open oh, in a few months. Oh, I cannot um, wait. I can't wait. And there's so many things we want to ask you that are, you'll be glad to know, not survivor related, but one, so one thing that is survivor-esque that I do want to ask is, you know, when you came back, I know you, you talked about having like a form of PTSD coming back from that, you know, insane experience, getting reacclimated. But I, I guess I'm curious how the show prepared you or did not prepare you for, you know, surviving life in quarantine. Yeah, I keep getting asked this question. Um, and I think the... It's sort of what I said earlier about not thinking forward too much, mm-hmm. about thinking about getting through each day. Um, because on, like, the thing about, oh, so Survivor is all all mind games. Um, and I feel like you learn that if you start thinking about home too much when you're on the islands, or when you're going to eat, or when you're going to drink, or when you're going to hug a loved one, if you start thinking too far ahead then you really start to feel the pain of what you're experiencing, like the hunger and the sadness and the loneliness and all of that. Um, so just being, being like, you know what? It's going to be over when it's over. Um, so I'm going to get through today. I've got my little my little goal journal, and I'm going to check off the little things I need to do today. And um, yeah, because that's sort of like Survivor. It Every day feels like it's a year, but also this year seems to have flown by. Mm. Like the individual days seem so long, but then time also seems like it's moving so quickly. What have you been like watching, listening to, reading over the past year to stay sane? Um, a, a lot. I feel like I've watched all of the television. Um, What's like your best everyone. Uh, yeah. Um, I well, so I will say two two major highlights. One is Ted Lasso. Um, which I love Uh, on all of the sort of like Midwesternisms and the emphasis on being kind is very much how I was raised um, and is a worldview I highly subscribe to. So that was joyous. Um, And then the other big thing is I was never a drag race watcher. So I have now binged drag race seasons three through 13. Um, I've watched all stars two, three, and now I'm working on four and five. And, and Nico and I just did a binge of the, uh, the Las Vegas review, mm-hmm. um, the reality show about the Las Vegas drag show, uh-huh. which was actually pretty good. Um, and one of my big hopes for when the world reopens is that Miss Vanjie will find love because she seems like a lovely yes. person who just really, you know, wants a partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was really shipping Vanjie and, and the guy that, that she was with. Uh, Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, Brooklyn Heights. But then the other guy, it wasn't who, who was dating somebody in the Vegas show and that he came to visit and they broke up during the... Oh, yeah. Cameron Michaels, Cameron Michaels had sorry. sort oh, of sure. had a boo yeah, yeah, yeah. and then had her heart ripped open on the top of the Eiffel Tower in Vegas. Yeah. And... All of the feelings, but also if you are not, if you have been seeing someone and you don't want to commit enough to say that you're boyfriends, why would you fly all the way from New York to Las Vegas to break up with someone 
on camera. Well, that is you, insane. You just answered your own question to do it on camera, <laughs> just to get that screen time. But, it, but, but you it, could get so much more screen time if you stayed in the relationship, if that's what you yeah, were in it for. I guess. I guess. And also you wouldn't, I mean, break up after the show is over and not, because mm. I think you would just look like a horrible person. Well, but you get a you moment. one of those moments where you're like, you get a moment. God, that, that person's terrible. Yeah. I'm going to just judge them from these 30 seconds I saw them on TV yeah. for the rest of their life. Hmm. Have you gotten that uh, UK yet, Drag Race? Yes. Okay. Uh, I watched one, and we're, I know who wins, too, but we're about uh, two-thirds of the way through UK, too. Um, and then my friend was telling me that the Thailand version is actually really I have heard this, too. Heard that, too, yeah. There's just That's, not enough time for all the series. so much. So having uh, consumed such a massive dose of RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, who, are your, who are your standouts? Who are your... Who your who's your all star all star team? Top three. Okay, to my all star top three. Well, gotta go with Gottmik. Sure. Um, for reasons previously explained, right. um, I have been listening. Uh, my my Palm Springs jam, as it were, was uh, Bob's Purse First mm. song, single, um, and I also love Bob on We're Here, the HBO yeah. show where drag queens go to small towns and turn people into drag queens. Uh-huh. Um, like like wizards, they just wave a wand and they're Oof, drag queens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Got McBob and I know this is lame because this is probably everyone's, but Bianca Del Rio. Mm. Well, that's that's yeah. solid. It's a solid, you know? Yeah. Very strong it's trio. Solid. Very strong. Was there, uh, growing up, was there a piece of entertainment or, you know, book, movie, TV show that made you feel like Ah, this is me. There's a place for me. Oh, oh goodness. Well, here's the thing. The I I now hate my answer. Okay. So my answer is the Harry Potter books, right? Because that that came into my orbit. I was like 11 or 12. Right. Um, it it very much spoke to the idea that you know because I grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma, very conservative. Everyone is like a mega church going evangelical Christian, except you know, thank God, my parents. Um, and I was just so different from such a young age. I was such a masculine kid, and I was not supposed to be a masculine kid. I was supposed to be a debutante, a beauty queen, and all that. Um, and there was just no way that I fit in with the world. Even with my own family, I felt so alien. So this idea that, oh, the, there, there's a reason why, and it's that you are as special as you think you are. Thank you very much. And someday you will get your letter to Hogwarts that will release you from this world underneath the stairs, and you will go to this world where you're a hero, where you're meant to be, where you make sense, and where you know, you're like everybody else. Um, and that was sort of the, the thing that I really held on to um and now it just it's so terrible that the author of the thing which really resonated with me through so much of my life i even have a signed copy of one of the books Mm. that she's she's so terribly transphobic it is such a bummer (laughs) but are you able to this does seem to be the one area where people are making an effort to truly separate the art from the artist and try to almost claim the harry potter universe is like this is us now and you can step away and, and we can all still enjoy this and completely divide ourselves from you. Uh, you know, I think eventually I, I will get there. Um, I am not there just yet. 
Um, because I, I haven't seen all the movies, but I've read all the books more than once. I saw the play on Broadway, which is one of the coolest, if not the coolest theatrical experience that any of us will ever consume. Um, but I'm just, I'm just, I think part of it as well is that when JK Rowling started to say transphobic things on Twitter, I was responding to those transphobic things she said on Twitter. And then all of the uh, the there's a you know big wave of transphobic feminism in the UK that's not as bad here. Here it's mostly conservatives who are transphobic, yeah. but there there's a whole like left wing transphobe like movement of transphobia, um, and they they're 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 they are just ravenous. I like I was outed as transgender on television in front of millions of people and maybe and could probably count on my left hand the number of like overtly mean transphobic things that people said in the immediate wake of that event um but like responding to jk's rowling tweets just like brought this wrath that was was really truly terrible so i think there is part of that experience i can't disassociate from the from the JK Enos. Oh God. And she just keeps doubling down. Um, you know, you, I, I've also read in an interview somewhere that you talked about when you, you know, being like thrust into the spotlight in this way and coming out of it, that, um, it required you to do a lot of self love work. Um, so what, what is, what form does that work take for you? Is it, is it therapy? Is it a spiritual practice? A little bit of everything. Sure. Well, just just to get the listeners up to speed, I suppose, if you don't sort of like know what my deal is. Um, So I'm transgender. Uh, I transitioned when I was like about 20 when I was in college. Then I moved to New York. And so when I transitioned, uh, you know, more than 10 years ago, this was like a million years ago. And for terms of like trans acceptance, um, it, it, it was not well received. It was a very tumultuous time. I got super duper depressed. I got stuck in an abusive relationship. Um, but then I was able to get out of that. And then I graduated and I moved someone else somewhere else and nobody knew I was trans. I was finally just like Zeke, the gay dude, um, which is sort of how I always wanted to be received. So I was like, great. Um, we'll just go with this for now because this was a lot better than, you know, that youth of being bullied and growing up in Oklahoma and college and what have you. Um, and then I started doing comedy and I made a ton of friends and I was, I was having a great time. Um, and then I wanted to go pursue my, my, my big dream, which was to be on survivor and was sort of like, you know, we'll deal with the trans thing if it comes to it, but I'm not going to bring it up. Um, so I, I did one season of survivor and then immediately went back, did another season of survivor was outed by another contestant in the middle of that. And then nine months later, um, my outing aired, uh, I went from someone who very few people knew to be trans to be the, one of the most visible transgender men in the world, which is not a whole lot about me and says more about the fact that there are very few visible transgender men in the world. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, uh, what that came with is uh, a platform and expectations and, you know, people who were looking to me for guidance and acceptance in their own life. And I I did not have the level of acceptance for myself necessary to occupy that platform when I was given it. So I, I did, I did a lot of therapy, um, 
to survivor's credit, they paid, they, they were like, when you go home, you need to find a therapist. You need to go every week and you need to find someone expensive so that we know they're good. Hmm. Um, and I had a wonderful therapist in New York who was like the guy I needed. Um, and then I had a, a decent therapist here in Los Angeles as well, um, to sort of help like work through all those embedded transphobic thoughts or, you know, issues I had with my body. But I will say the most therapeutic, the most transformative experience has been falling in love Mm. and being in a relationship and feeling loved unconditionally and also loving someone unconditionally back. Um, that's, that's, that's been the big one. Um, I, I must say, you know, Nico came on the show with his mom uh, yes, it was, I think just when we started dating. Yeah, it was it was definitely early days, but so we we got the side uh, we got your meet cutes from Nico's perspective. But now it's your turn. Yeah, um, and here we are. We just we just celebrated three years on April twelfth. Um, we now jointly own a home together. Um, you know, uh, we have a, a joint checking account. Like it, things are, you know, uh, pretty serious with me and my fella. But yeah, so. Um, the, our meeting, we met at the GLAAD Awards and, um, my plus one knew his plus one and I was actually flirting with Nico's plus one earlier in the evening, um, before we were on the red carpet. And then at the after party, Nico and his plus one like came over, you know, I think cause I was, you know, me and me and, you know, his plus one more, I think we're going to. Hey, hey, hey. Um, but then Nico and I hit it off. Um, I had some tea about the personal life of one of his Superstore cast members, um, which I will not share, but it, it well, not on tickled him. Not while we're low. <laughs> not what, exactly. Um, and then Nico was just so smooth. He was like, hey, let's let's get you a drink. And did you know NBC sent me a limo? And um, it was just very smooth. And I had, you know, one of... Another thing which really helped with the self-acceptance is that um, during the airing of Survivor and then, you know, subsequent to that, I would go to gay bars and, like, guys I was very interested in would come and flirt with me. Um, And we would hook up or we'd flirt or we'd make out, you know, whatever. But I had these very, like, affirming experiences (laughs) um, about, like, thinking that I was attractive. And I also sort of learned what it looks like when someone's flirting with you because if you sort of have been closed off and haven't been gotten to participate in bar culture or hookup culture I, I you know sometimes you and you and you have negative thoughts about yourself you really don't know how to read when someone is flirting with you so I'm so glad I had those experiences I was like I felt very confident that he was into me um and then, yeah, I like went home with him and we um, made out a little bit and he uh, notoriously uh, wouldn't wouldn't go past making out for another several weeks um, because he likes to say he's a lady. But we we just really hit it off. Um, I, you know, we're both very silly people and most of the time we're just on the same page um, and things are very easy with us we don't really fight or have too many arguments we just yeah we just sort of work um and if you ever spend any amount of time with us we have never gotten past that honeymoon phase we are still very gross we still kiss in public and snuggle and touch each other a lot and hold hands and do all that do all that sappy stuff pretty cute i mean that's what you want what was dating like before you met nico 
Well, I didn't really. So when I was living in New York, I didn't really date. Um, I would. I had like my sphere of comedy people who largely did not know that I was trans. Um, I tried dating one of them, but then he just turned out to be so uninteresting. And then I was like, this is, this is going to complicate my French, the way that I have bifurcated my life to like comedy life and trans life. Mm -hmm. So I was hooking up with people in New York who were outside of the comedy sphere and went on a couple of dates, but was never that interested. I was also not, I was not that interested in being in a relationship. Um, I, was perfectly content spending time with myself. Like I was never one of those people who thought, oh, something mis- is missing in my life because I don't have a boyfriend. Um, and it was actually the really good New York therapist who was like, look, you have issues with intimacy. You need to learn to let other people into your life. So when you move to LA, you need to start dating. And it is your like goal, it is your homework to acquire a boyfriend, even if just for a short amount of time. Um, and I'm a very goal-oriented kind of guy, so that spoke to me. I like to, to, to do well on my homework. Um, so yeah, I got to LA and I was going on like four first dates a week. Like I was swiping on the Tinder and, you know, I was just like, and I was trying so hard to make it work to like get an A on my homework. Um, but I found like the, the issue with Tinder and the dating apps was you're picking people who look look good on paper. Like you're you're trying to date people via their resume and that is not necessarily like an avenue to find chemistry with someone. Um, so I was, I, I was just, I kept dating these boring guys and then I was like, all right, I'm gonna stop this. And it's, you know, one of those cliches, like the moment you stop trying to find someone that, you know, I, but I think it's not that you stop trying to find someone. I think it's you date a bunch of duds. So you're like, all right, I know what I'm not looking for. So when the right person walks into the room, you're like, oh, yes. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Let us gallivant and be goofy one together. There you go. Yeah. You cross all of the stuff you know you don't want off your list. Exactly. And then you're left with what you do. Um, I wonder, you know, you were talking about Tinder and the apps and all that kind of thing. I wonder, like, what do you think is waiting for us all after this? Are people still going to be swiping or is it like we've been cooped up for a year and three months? Let's like let's get back to cruising or whatever. Look, I'm a big fan of cruising. Mm-hmm. I'm a, um, a a big fan of, of back rooms and, you know, the dick dock out in P-Town sure. and, and, you know, the meat rack and all all that jazz. Um, I, I hope we do find a way to not look at our phones and to look at one another. Um, just because I don't think anyone is happy or satisfied doing the app thing. Like, do you know anyone who are like, oh, the apps are great. I love messaging guys and not hearing back <laughs> i love sending dick pics into the ether and wondering sup. what will become of them yeah <laughs> you know i i hope there will be but i think with that there also has to come the return of like intimate public space right because one of the big you know needs for there to be the apps is that you know there used to be cruising places there used to be places where you could go and hook up and those like have been policed out of existence. Right. But you know, let's bring Vaseline Alley back. Come on now. <laughs> it's the work of our generation. Well, your generation. Exactly. But no, don't you, you know, because the roaring twenties came after the, the, the Spanish flu. Yeah. Um, I, I think there will be this, like this, this cacophony of, of energy, of pent up energy. Yeah. And people are ready to get out. For I've sure. been, I've been calling for a, a second disco era. 
to begin. D- done. Yeah. We don't even have to do new music. We can do all the 70s music. Yes. <laughs> Bring it back. Without the racism and homophobia. Just Amen. short shorts and packed dance force. Just Studio 54 throughout the entire country. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. That's what I want. I don't know how to make it happen. I'll, except I to mean, will I'll it. I'll join the campaign. Great. Yeah. Great. Good. Thank you. Thank you for your commitment to this issue. <laughs> um, Zeke, you have a religion degree from Harvard. Just That's correct. And yeah. uh, a focus on, I think, biblical interpretation, LGBTQ inclusive theology. So I know this is something we could do like probably a whole separate hour on. But do you have any just surprising queer theology gems that you can, you know, break out at a party or, you know, what's your what's your sort of like best thing that you can sort of uh, lodge at an evangelical hater? Oh, sure. Um, well, I, so in the, in the first, if we want to look at, at Genesis, which, uh, is, is the first book of the Bible, though it is not the first written, that's Exodus. Um, we have, well, we can do this, we can do this two ways. We can do, um, first we can do the, the creation story. So there are actually two creation stories in the first two chapters of Genesis. Um, in one, man and woman were created together. And in the other one, a woman came from Adam's rib, right? Eve came from Adam's rib. Um, so if the core of evangelicalism is that the, the Bible is, is inerrant, that it is every word of it is true, you sort of are like, well, which one is it? Which came first? And then they'll probably give you an answer and you're like, okay, okay, okay. But the real issue here, it's a translation issue. Um, so, uh, what is it? Is money the root of all evil or greed the root of all evil? Because it's about 50-50 in the way that it's interpreted, even in sort of like evangelical preferred interpretations of the Bible. Um, and it's it's sort of, it's, it's small stuff like that um, where there are, you know, you can say the Bible is, is inerrant. It does not need to be interpreted because it is spoken, is plain spoken truth. And, and the fact is, is that it's not. Um, nor is the belief of biblical inerrancy anything anyone believed before like 300 years ago. Um, like the, no, and I think that's what studying the intellectual history or the theological history of Christianity teaches you is that, you know, there's always a power struggle over who gets to decide what the Bible means, which is why evangelical evangelicalism, you know, rose as sort of a populist and still is, you know, a, a populist vein of Christianity where biblical interpretation is put in the hands of the believers. Um, you know, we can find out why there are many reasons in the 2000 year history of Christianity, why people didn't believe that. Um, you know, if, Number one is the fact that, you know, most people didn't read <laughs> until very recently mm-hmm. or have access to books, right? Because publishing um, wasn't a thing until the 1500s. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I always get, it's not so much like the, like, here is the, the reverse clobble, clobber verse for Leviticus, which is the, you know, if man lies with man, then their blood shall be upon them. Um, it's more that, no, you're... The way you do Christianity um, is his, his historically um, wrong. Uh, like no one really does Christianity the way no one has done Christianity the way that it's it's largely done now in um, American even American evangelicalism. 
Um, and I know that's surprising to a lot of people because it was surprising to me. I remember I went for my campus tour to Harvard, um, coming and it was the time where gay marriage was starting to get passed in Massachusetts. Um, and I came from Oklahoma, obviously, uh, Bible beating, believing Christians, gays are, you know, uh, wicked and shall be sent to hell. And then I got out of the subway or the T in Boston and all of the churches in Harvard Square were flying pride flags and had like banners in support of, of, of same gender marriage. And then I get to, to college and the two heads of the memorial church were a black gay man and a lesbian and the lesbian's wife was the head of the religion department. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I think that question, that like disconnect for me, how can both of these things be true? That's what made me want to study religion. And what, what's your, what's your relationship to it now? Are you a church goer of any kind? Uh, I wish I could say that I was. There was a time where I was contemplating becoming an Episcopal priest uh-huh. because um, my two trans guy mentors in college were both Episcopal. They're trans guys who are Episcopal priests. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, and weirdly, you know, the church, the Episcopal church um, was sort of the place that where I found the most acceptance and guidance Um when I, I needed it most. Um, I, I think I would like to join a faith community. I, um, it's something that I has been on my list of things to do when the quarantine is, is over, but I feel like I am just a very, a very open person in general. I sort of, you know, believe that there is like a universal power we call God, but we can understand it as a singular or in, 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 in many different ways. It doesn't have to be the image of an old guy with a beard and a robe up in the sky as, as a lot of people consider him to be. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about writing because, you know, I, I, obviously beyond survivor, beyond your activism, um, you are a comedy writer. Um, yeah. So what kind of stuff have you been writing? Oh, sure. I'm actually very excited to talk about this. Um, so lately I've been writing with my writing partner. Um, his name is Chris Burns, but you may know him as his sort of famous Instagram handle, which is fat Carrie Bradshaw. Um, he, he has his own following, but I've known him for close to a decade now. We met um, we were taking a sketch 101 class at UCB in New York um, and have never been able to separate ourselves from each other since. Um, I think he is hilarious. And um, so I've been writing pilots for three or four years trying to, you know, get staffed and, and break into the industry as a, as a staff writer. Um, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, I just called Chris and was like, what are you working on? He was like, oh, I wrote the Fat Carry pilot. And I was like, send it to me. Um, and I read it and I was like, and I rewrote it and I sent it back to him and I was like, I hope you don't mind. Um, I rewrote this. I want to work on this with you. And we've, we've had a lot of success with it. Like we're, you know, we're flirting with a couple of agencies. We're hoping to get signed soon. We've gotten, um, eights and nines on, on the blacklist, which is, is very exciting. And a bunch of like competition placements and taking some meetings. And yeah, we've got this real fun pilot about a drag queen who joins the cast of the Real Housewives. (laughs) I'm ready to see this show. 
I think a lot of people are. We're really, we're really proud of it. Um, we just finished writing the Bible uh, last week, and our, you know, we want to make this show. Um, and if we don't get to make the show, that's fine. But you know, uh, hire us, staff us. It's it's staffing season still existing. Trans guy has never written on a half hour series. So if you want to make history, uh, holler at us. Let's go with it. Hollywood. There's never been a regular or recurring character, uh, trans guy character, on a half hour. Oh, come on. Either. Come on. Wake up. Wake, wake up, up, Hollywood. My email is on my, my Twitter bio. There it is. Get it. <laughs> this, this will be one of those times where um, showrunners will pop up into your DMs. Because you're, you're happily so. ensconced in a relationship. The homophilia bump this time will be showrunners in your DMs. One after the other. You know, I used to be so um, scared of self-promotion. Um, I... And I remember when, after I got outed and Probst was like, you should just say it. You should just say exactly what you want. I was like, no, I can't, you know, it's, it'd be weird. I'm not going to say, but now I've just started using opportunities like this to be like, okay, this is what I want. These are, these are the scripts that I have, uh, hire me. And it's been, we, that, that's how we've gotten meetings is people will just slide into my DMS and be like, Hey, I work for, you know, blah, 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 studio. Like, let's take a meeting. Yeah. Got to put it out in the world. Secret works. Got to put it out. Yeah. And it's also, I think, I'm sure you guys have found this too, is that you you try to do the best work that you can, um, but then there are always people who you feel, I think it sounds bitchy to say this, but I'm going to say it, yeah. less talented, but are better at the networking. Mm-hmm. And you see them getting ahead and you're like, they're not, I'm so much better than they are. I guess I will just have to sort of bite the bullet and do what they do because clearly that's the way you get to the next level. Well, but I, I find it's not necessarily that people are good at networking. It's just that that belief that they are good is deeper in them, mm. you know? Yeah. So they're operating out of just like, well, of course, I'm going to go talk to everybody because everyone wants to talk to me because I'm great. So, you know, whether whether that's real or fake, that is, that's kind of what they do. And you need to like, you need to put that on. You got to like fake that yeah, shit until it's it real. Just, yeah. Exactly, um, and I think it's just learning how to how to fake it. You know, it was a very interesting experience to go from, <clears throat> you know, I, look, I've been on a reality show, and I, I'm not, you know, that important of a person. Um, but the person I date is much more famous than I am, um, and so going from a place where like, oh, I'm like a reality star, and I can walk into a gay bar and people want to take pictures with me, and that feels exciting to, you know going to real deal Hollywood parties and being no one and being like the guy who holds someone else's purse really did a number on my ego. And I think it's taken a couple of years to sort of, you know, recover from that (laughs) or not take it so seriously at least. Yeah. Do you, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time too, but do you and Nico talk about doing stuff together? We have, um, we, we, we recently talked about it because, you know, obviously Superstore just ended and, and he's looking to find his next thing. I think we decided that we're not quite ready to uh, to, 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 to bring down the bridge between church and state. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment we're going to like I'm I'm fine to have him like, you know, read my stuff and get feedback on it. And I pitch him jokes and write stuff for him. But I think fully collaborating on a project might might not be be the thing just yet if for no other reason than in quarantine we we are already up in each other's lives every moment yeah, of every day right. Yeah. Right. 
But I think so- someday after the fact, Harry Pilot, I'd like to see the the Nico and Zeke, you know, mad about you, if you will. So. Sure, exactly. The big uh, the big gay rom com. There you go. <laughs> there still hasn't really been a proper TV big gay rom com, has there? Well, I guess Modern Family. Sort of, okay. You know, I guess they weren't the you know they, they were there. Sure. Um, there was that one with Andrew Rannells yeah, where he and his yeah, right. but that didn't last for very long. Right. Um, I mean, obviously Will and Grace, but it wasn't really about a couple. It was about a friendship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, also, if someone wants to just buy this idea from us, I am happy to, to write it from there. There you go. I'm telling you, check your DMs. <laughs> I'm just simply asking you to, to write it so that we can watch. Um, before we let you go, you and Nico are, have obviously taken big steps. You bought a house together. Any is is there talk of either even further milestones in terms of marriage, children, any of that stuff? I mean, we've we've seriously considered getting a dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, I think uh, I, I you know uh, I I think you know things will happen happen in their own time, and that's that's you know. We're we're doing good. We're staying together for a while, and you know, uh, we'll we'll see what happens down the line. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay, okay. <laughs> right, I'll take it. And yeah. when it does, you have to come back and talk about it. Yes, you must. When we get a dog, you mean? Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. Uh, okay. f- dog play date is happening. Yeah. By the way, when I said, oh, children, do you have a dog? That's what yeah. I meant. Right. Oh uh, yeah, we yes. both have dogs. Um. Yeah. Get yourself one. Oh, oh, yeah. Whole lives revolve around them, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, I can't wait for a doggy play It's date. the next step. It's the next step in your evolution. Uh, Zeke, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. 